My name is Bonnie Landry. I'd like to welcome you to my podcast with my co-hosts, Elizabeth and Christina, where we explore the questions about homeschooling and family life and how we can make joy normal. Okay, sweet listeners, this is going to be my very last uh, post that I make in or, or episode that I make for the Creating Homes series that I've been doing. And I think by and large, uh, I've really wanted to focus on that for the last few weeks, but by and large, you know, this podcast is about uh, creating the kinds of homes that we can attain joy in and that we can uh, raise beautiful families in and everything to some degree, no matter what topic we're addressing, everything to some degree uh, seeks to to reach that point. But uh, a few weeks ago, I had the, one of the first episodes I did was on in this series was the um, planning of our homeschooling life. Okay. It began because I wanted to do some episodes that I had alluded to in a talk that I gave recently on homeschool connections about creating a high school transcript, well, about homeschooling high school. But I talked briefly about making a high school transcript and I qualified that I will be podcasting on this because it's such a big topic and such an important topic and I didn't have time to address it in that particular talk. So so I did part one of that. This is now part two of planning and it's going to really focus on high school, which is what uh, my where I had left off in the in the first episode to this. I'll, I'll put the episode one uh, in the show notes so that you guys um, know you can sort of do this back to back thing. While I was talking in this uh, Homeschool Connections conference talk, I talked about creating a homeschool transcript and the kind of things that I've developed that I have as free resources on my website. And I am very happy to share them with you. I It took me some a couple of epic fails with my first couple of kids to really wrap my brain around what I needed to do on my end and how to keep that simple. Because if it's not simple, um, I'm, I'm probably going to fail at it, right? I need to keep my life simple. And, you know, of course, with my first couple of kids, I also had, you know, a boatload of small children running around everywhere. And so how do I keep uh, creating a transcript really simple? So there's kind of two parts to this particular talk. One is actually developing uh, a system for recording what your people do. Okay, how they spend their time, what courses they take. And then there is actually how do we develop courses from their interests and activities that they're already involved in? Because so many of our beautiful um, uh, electives and even our core courses that we take can be either augmented by some of our activities that we do, or we can build a a course that is based on some of the activities that we do. Now, I will, for those of you who listened to that high school talk, I will, will be repeating some of the examples I gave, but I'm going to give more examples so you really know what I'm talking about. First of all, I think the most important thing is to write down everything your kids do, okay? And the system that I developed for that that I have on my website under if you go under resources and then freebies, this is where you'll find this. And you'll find the blog posts where I really flesh out what I'm doing, kind of explain what I'm doing. And if you had something like that in front of you, if you had those printed off sheets in front of you, this podcast episode would probably make more sense. So it might be one of those situations where you you may want to you may want to grab that. So essentially what I've done for my people 
is I developed a system where I could take the four years of high school, grade 9, 10, 11, 12, many colleges and universities, or, you know, if you're having to submit a transcript even for a trade or whatever, uh, they want to see 10, 11, and 12, but nine can either be a practice year or if they want to see a fourth year, then you have it. What I do is I have a set of seven pages for each year for each child. So I've taken a duotang and I've put, for example, Lydia's, and that's the one you'll see on my blog, uh, Lydia's grade nine year, grade 10 year, grade 11 year, grade 12 year, the planning pages for that all in one in one duotang, okay? And then I also have a working copy of a transcript there. And I have a good copy of a transcript that I'll print out, you know, when her four years are done and, and just uh, transcribe that information from the from the um, high school transcript, right? The working copy. So essentially what I've done is I've broken down blocks of subject areas on these seven pages that you would use one for each year. So I have student, Lydia, grade nine, school year 2019-2020. And here are the potential blocks. I do actually seven pages for each uh, year. I, I leave the pages on the back blank. So I have lots of room to note take and brainstorm different ideas. And I'll sort of get into that uh, a little bit later. So I have mathematics, English, science, social studies, history, geography, government, I have a space for notes to myself every couple of pages, phys ed and health, arts, applied skill, applied design, technology, uh, second language, philosophy, theology, religion, travel studies, practical skills, music, career planning, community service. And the last page is business, commerce, economics, and home economics. So those are the topics that I could potentially do. This is not meant to be all the things you are supposed to do, but these are all the topics, the core program that your child would be on and all of their electives, because a lot of their credits have to be in the form of electives. Then we have uh, something to work with is that then as they do different activities or they delve into different interests, we have a place to write that down. It's really important to write it down. Believe me, you will not remember grade nine to grade 10 or grade nine to grade 12. You won't remember what they did. And if you don't write it down, uh, you're going to miss out on the opportunity to give your child credits for the way that they spend their time in beautiful, natural ways that really respects their particular learning path as well. Okay. Anything, anything can become part of a school subject or it can become a creditable course on its own. I would recommend that at the end of grade nine, you make an effort to actually look at everything they've done that year, at the end of every year, and put that in your working copy transcript. Now, you might find there's things they do in, in their ninth grade, there's things they do in their 10th grade, or there's things they do over the course of four years that all add up to make a course that could fulfill one of the topics that they need to fulfill uh, in in their year. It doesn't matter if it took them three years to do it or four years to do it. It doesn't matter. The fact is they have X amount of creditable hours, okay? So anything can become part of a school subject or become a creditable course in its own right. A full credit course, okay, so we're talking a one about a one semester uh, course. It could be a two semester course depending on the course and the hours that it runs. You know, we're talking about if they were in a school situation. 
A full credit course runs between about 120 and 150 hours, okay? So colleges and universities generally are using a three credit system. So a fully creditable course is three credits. You might find at a college or university you need to take, say, for example, chorus, uh, and maybe it's only a one or a two credit course, but it all adds up to your child's courses, but it indicates that this course did not have many as many hours put into it as a fully creditable course would, okay? Different provinces, different states, different schools use credits differently, and so you kind of have to know, uh, get to know, like in your province, is a fully credit course one credit or is it four credits? What are, what are they giving to kids so that you kind of know how to translate that information? And that would take some research into, you know, a, a high school course, look at your province or state's uh, um, high school program, and all you really are trying to do is just discern, okay, are they calling uh, English 11 a one credit course or a four credit course? We know it's a full year, 120 to 150 hours approximately. And we know that they're calling one credit a full credit, full credit for that course, or, or they're calling three or four credits full credit for that course. So uh, it's a bit confusing in that way, um, but we don't need to get bogged down by that. You just kind of need to know in your local area uh, if you're comparing your high school credits in transferring into a college or university, what you're talking about. Is it a fully creditable course? Is it a full year's course or a full semester's course? When we look at the 120 to 150 hours, some are more instruction-based, okay? Some are more practiced-based, okay? So a more instruction-based program might be something like they have English every day and they go to an English class every day and the teacher discusses a piece of literature or discusses an aspect of writing and they practice it in class and maybe they have some homework to do and it's but there's a lot of in-class instruction or something like a shop class or a cooking class there's a lot of in-class instruction and that's where the hours come from okay some are more practice-based, say, for example, a music lesson or a dance lesson. They go once a week, they have a one-hour lesson, but then the idea is that they're going to spend a certain amount of time, maybe it's 30 minutes a day, maybe it's 60 minutes a day, a certain amount of time practicing that discipline so that it becomes creditable hours, right? Uh, and sometimes it's things that they're working on. So say, for example, out of 150 hours in an English class, maybe 50 hours are in class or instruction-based. 50 hours are are practicing some sort of skill. Maybe that means reading the literature and the spark notes that go along with it. And then 50 hours are actually based on, um, you know, essay writing or test taking for that particular class. So, so how those hours get divided up is very course dependent. Okay. Uh, if you spend an hour a day doing something for the approximately 180 days in the school year, you are well over your creditable hours, okay? So say, for example, your child has a horse or a cow or chickens or they have some sort of agricultural project that they're doing or they work on engines an hour a day. They have some sort of hobby or activity that they pursue an hour a day. They're way over their creditable hours for what you might need for to count that as a course. Say, for example, 
uh, it's husbandry and you have a, they have a cow, they spend lots of time with their cow, they're feeding for the cow, they're caring for the cow, you know, pasturing the cow, whatever it is they're doing with the cow that's taking their time. Maybe they're just hanging out with the cow. Even though we have those creditable hours, it would be wise if you want to classify that as a course to also have a little bit of theory, uh, or perhaps reading or writing assignment that could augment the care that they're taking of the cow. So they're actually getting the most out of uh, the care uh, that they're putting into the cow, the time that they're putting into the cow. This becomes really important. If you if you farm, your high schooler is day and they're daily involved in in what you're doing on the farm, um, or have you know projects that they're doing on their own. This is absolutely an area where you can really take advantage of the life skills that they're gaining to to form credible courses for um, that they would require on a transcript, right? And again, maybe your high schooler isn't planning on going to university at all. It would behoove you still to keep records because that can change. And I've experienced that in my own life. I'm not going to go to university. It doesn't really matter to me. I uh, want to go into religious life. I want to get married, whatever it is. I just want to work after. And then they change their mind, right? And we want to allow them the freedom to change their mind. And they may have to make up some time. Maybe they don't, they're totally uninterested in learning how to write an essay because of the path that they've chosen. Well, you know, fair enough. That's a, that's a point of conversation. There's some freedom in that being able to say, okay, you know what? I can't put anything on a transcript that says you've done English 11 and 12. However, uh, you know, you will need to put those hours in if you suddenly changed your mind. I think that's just important for us to make note of. I want to make a note on your records that we've had this conversation and that you have agreed that, you know, we're not going to do English. And if you decide to go to university at some point, you would do an English 11 and 12. There's, there's, uh, there's, it's a very freeing place to be to allow your kids the opportunity to open doors or close doors. Education is never static. We can, we can always be educated. You know, a person could not have any formal high school education and then suddenly they decide to be a doctor. Okay, well, what do I need, right? What do I need? They're probably gonna have to spend a year or two at a community college or doing high school courses on their own to build up the courses that they actually need to be a high school uh, graduate, you know, to, to have a transcript that's actually going to be accepted by a university. So, so if we can add in some theory or some writing assignments, then then we're saying, okay, we we could um, make a course out of this. We could do this with botany. We could do this with agriculture. There's many ways that sort of living just our kind of natural lives that we live, we can absolutely create courses out of what we're doing. Um, so I'm going to run through a few more examples of this. So you can kind of just wrap your brain around what I'm talking about. So here's another example. Your high school takes a high schooler takes a first aid course. Maybe it's a weekend first aid, um, and you can say, okay, well, actually, this can just be added to phys ed hours. Maybe your phys ed is very casual, and it's just okay. Well, they do a ballroom dance program. They play basketball with the homeschoolers on Tuesday nights. Uh, they are in the soccer program, and you know, I can just add this uh, because it's a phys, phys ed related. I can add these hours. Maybe they put in 30 hours over the course of a weekend or 20 hours. I can add these hours into their phys ed course. So I know that they're doing a, a, a qualifiable uh, phys ed course. Uh, so it can add to a course. Okay. It could also add to a science course. If they were 
taking human biology? Absolutely. Could you add that to their human biology course? Of course. Uh, it could also be community service. Maybe they have to have X amount of hours of community service, or you want them to have X amount of hours of community service. Um, and you look at all the various ways that they participate in the community, this being one of them. And that just adds to the sum total of maybe the volunteer work that they do with the youth group and their first aid that they take. And maybe they, um, you know, do some babysitting for some of the mums at, at your church and, you know, the various ways they spend their time. Maybe that adds up to a lot of hours. You know, there, there's, there absolutely could be a community service um, element uh, to that, right? So, so why not take advantage of those hours? So, but here's another scenario. So that first aid course can add to several hours to another course. But here's another possible scenario with that same course. They take first aid. They really, really enjoy first aid. And they think, well, I really want to take the next level of first aid. So they take, you know, a more advanced first aid. So maybe now they have 30 or 40 hours of first aid. Here we can start to build a course. We can say, okay, you have 40 hours of first aid. What can we do to flesh this out? And what kind of course course do we want this to be? We could add some hours of uh, nutritional information, um, some theory of nutrition. We can have some healthy menu planning. We could do some cooking. We could create a home management course. First aid absolutely can become uh, something that we add to a home management course. We could add some reading and assignments on the human body, how it functions, how it repairs itself. We can add this to a human biology course or create a human biology course. From those hours, we've got maybe a third of our hours in first aid course. How do we build that out to create some sort of course that we would like it to be? Here's just a few options. Home management, uh, human biology, um, community service. Those are some possibilities, right? Say as a family, you love to watch movies and discuss them. Maybe you do that once a week. So weekly over the course of the year, you spend maybe three hours watching and discussing a good film. Add it up. That's maybe 120 hours in the, in the course of a school year, right? So, so be intentional. Add some critical thinking resources to this. Or listen, listen to uh, Bishop Barron uh, has some incredibly thought-provoking movie reviews. Or read um, some decent films reviews. And call the course Critical Thinking Through Film and Media right? You're putting in a lot of hours there. Take advantage of those hours of the activities and uh, hobbies and things that you naturally do as a family. It's very respectful of the natural uh, education that goes on in our day-to-day -day life. And this is just, it's just so important to, to not discount these things. Um, I, I'm just going to talk about English for a moment because it's one of the courses we have to take. Okay, and maybe you have a, a high schooler who hates English. They want to go to university, but they hate English. They want to study sciences or whatever. Well, you know what? They have to have grade 11 and 12 English. They have to, but they hate it. So how can we, how can we develop an English course that keeps their interest, that minimizes how much they hate and therefore maximizes how much they learn. Because if kids hate something, they generally don't learn it. High school English generally has two categories to it. It has literature, so the study of literature and composition, writing, learning how to write. If they take a history course or a science course or, the, or a math course that they love, and that's the, the uh, path they're moving along, have them write about that. 
Have them write about what they love. Have them write about sports. Have them write about games. Have them write about gaming. Many outsourced courses that you do will have a writing component. Say they're taking a course on um, uh, politics that or the history of politics or philosophy or whatever they're interested in there's usually a writing component there's no way that can't count as english right now they're going to get a mark back on that maybe they don't get a very good mark so us as as a parent we either need to address that let's let's really figure out what it is that takes uh that it takes to write a really good essay we want to build that essay skill out so that you can actually functionally go into college or university and and be prepared for the writing that it's going to take. So we can do that. We can work with them. We can also go to their teacher and say, "Okay, he got a C on this essay. We'd like to improve that." Uh, and maybe we can't improve it with you. Maybe his mark is his mark. However, uh, we'd like to improve it for ourselves, for our own sake. So what was it you were looking for so that we can work towards uh, what would have been a better mark so he can just become a more adept writer? You could read The Elements of Style together by uh, Strunk and White. It is fantastic. It gives great writing advice and is really funny. So it's something that my uh, my kids have all really enjoyed. I've, I've read it out loud to most of them just because it's such an enjoyable, discussion-worthy book. So not only am I going to spend the hours it takes to actually read that book together, but we're also going to discuss what he says, right? Because it's thought-provoking and it's funny and it's interesting. For literature, if your high schooler is reading a verse, minimize your expectations of what they read on their own, okay? Read aloud together as a family. That fully qualifies as part of your literature study, especially if you're discussing it, right? And maybe you discuss it more in depth with your 16 or 18-year-old than you do with your 8-year-old or 10-year-old. Uh, but that's a beautiful way to do this. You can also listen to audio together. You can pause. You can ask ask questions. You can make it attractive and not burdensome. So anytime you're discussing a poem, a piece of literature, a great speech written by somebody, make it ask questions, make it attractive, don't make it burdensome. Work with their natural attributes and the things that are important to them. When we ask them to write, make sure it's things that are actually going to jazz them. And, and you know, people who are not naturally inclined to write might need more uh, guidance, but that's okay. We can keep coming back to it. Okay, you know, I teach me about this engine, right? How does it work? What's going on here? Uh, teach me why it matters to you. Teach me why it matters historically. Teach me why it matters now. You know, this is what I want you to write this so that I understand what you do more effectively, because that really is what writing is all about, right? Communication. Write it all down. Uh, St. Thomas Aquinas uh, said to convert somebody, take them by the hand and lead them. If you desire to lead your children to literature and critical thinking, you must take them by the hand and lead them. If you aren't certain how, uh, we've used an amazing book to foster Socratic discussion, and there's some very good resources online now. But the one that we use is called, have used many times with all my kids, is called Teaching the Classics by the Center for Lit. Okay, the Center for Lit is kind of a great books um, uh, resource center. The program Teaching the Classics, we've just used the book. Apparently the CD is also excellent. Uh, working through that book together is absolutely creditable hours. And they've done a brilliant thing. They've taken the aspects of literature uh, 
the theme, the conflict, the characters, the rising action, uh, the denouement, they're taking all, all the aspects of literature and they pull out a funny or interesting or simplistic children's story, most of them ones your child will be familiar with and will love from their childhood, and they're looking at that aspect of literature, for example, the conflict, through a more simplistic form of literature like children's literature, okay? So we would see the theme or the conflict much more easily in uh, in Beatrix Potter or in, you know, something written by uh, Richard Kipling. And they pull out these examples so that the, the high school students can really learn to identify the various uh, aspects of literature and what's going on in the story. It's, it's a fantastic program. Uh, at the back, they have a, a big list of Socratic questions. Each each chapter that deals with a different aspect of literature comes with its own set of questions that are fantastic and helping you to identify uh, what they're talking about. But at the back, they also have this massive list of Socratic questions that you can just ask your child so that you're really training yourself how to foster Socratic discussion. I've also got a list of Socratic questions uh, on a blog post. I'll pop that into the show notes as well. So these are just some ideas that we can use to really uh, build up courses and build out courses for our children so that education isn't so burdensome for them or for us. And they end up, I think, feeling more respected by the fact that they can choose and have a lot of in, a lot of input in what they're actually doing for the courses that they're taking for high school. So again, write it all down, write it down on those planning pages or develop your own system of planning pages. Then you can look back at the end of the year and see what you've done and how you've spent your time. And you might say, okay, you know what? We're super close to having enough hours in, you know, some aspect of our education just because we're really interested in foraging and gardening. And so we've got the the makings of a horticulture course here. This looks cool. If we did a little bit of theory, maybe some writing, uh, or maybe we visited some, um, you know, horticulture uh, experts, we could certainly develop a course out of this, you know, and, and that's really cool. So, so let's work towards that. You could even do it the following year. If you're at the end of the school year, do those hours the following year and pull it all together as, as one of your, uh, courses, so you can start to form up your creditable courses and use your your and your child's interests and activities to really build it out. Okay, so so it's so important to to work with our children and work with what they love. You know, some of education isn't doing what we love, but so much of it can be, and there's just no reason why. Uh, why we can't work with that and capitalize on that and we'll all be happier for it. So we need to sort of look at things like outsourcing educational areas of stress and recognizing and acknowledging education in all the various places that it crops up in our life, being a household that, that elevates education to a place of joy. So I will end off there. Please feel free to email me, you know, if you have questions or queries about this, uh, or if I need to flesh things out a little bit more, or if you have some thoughts on a course and you're wondering how to to flesh it out, I'd certainly be willing to throw ideas at you. So, um, so God bless you, and I will uh, wrap up this uh, lovely little series and all the people I've been able to interview through it on creating the kinds of homes 
that we want to raise our families in and making joy the place that we want to go education and discipline and all the areas of our family life we'll talk to you